This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to Digital Divide, a series of kōrero conversations about digital equity, access and well-being in Aotearoa, New Zealand. This is a collaboration between Link Roro, Plains FM and Ako Ototahi Learning City Christchurch to amplify marginalised voices and provoke system change. Ko Fiona Dihin toko ingoa. My name is Fiona Dihin and I decided to start these conversations because I wanted to learn and understand more myself, use my voice to create spaces where these stories and this kōrero could be heard by others and create a more inclusive, equitable and understanding Aotearoa New Zealand. Kia ora Clark, welcome. How are you this morning? Ah, kia ora. Um, I'm great, thanks. Yeah, thank you. So, Clark, just love you to introduce yourself to our listener. Please take it away. Cool. Uh, my name is Clark Williams. Uh, I'm, I'm an educator. Um, I'm originally from the Kapiti Coast in the North Island, and I, I teach digital tech in, in some, some ways for my profession. Um, uh, and outside of that, uh, I've got a one-year-old daughter, uh, and a wife, and um, that absorbs quite a lot of my time at the moment. But um, in, in the spare time I do get, I do like uh, making or creating or um, cooking um, and riding motorbikes on occasion. <laughs> busy man then. <laughs> a little yeah, bit. Busy. Yeah, I know. We connected over that, um, over the one-year-old thing beforehand. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we're surviving. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and you've recently had a first birthday, and I joke with anyone who's... Um, who's had just had a first birthday of particularly their first child, that that birthday and probably the second one, they're more about you celebrating that you've survived. Yeah, 100%. Not so, not we, so much. we left Lily at home and we went for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, awesome. she didn't know, she didn't care. No, they don't, they don't. And like, you know, it is it is a big deal becoming a parent. So, you know, me too. And uh, acknowledgements, I, I'm, I hear you. We're in the same walk there. Um, thank you for that. Um Keen to hear. So why did you agree to join me for this Kōrero about digital equity, about the digital divide? Uh, a, a few reasons, but uh, I guess I um, have to promote uh, my workspace, which is like a free e- education opportunity for the city. Mm. Um, and saying yes to things is great because it opens up lots of opportunities. So <laughs> you could have asked me to participate in anything and I'd say yes. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> I'll bear that in mind. I'll bear that in mind. Well, it is no, it is great to have you along. And I'm really keen for others to hear more about the work that you're doing um, at 4C Centre. And we had a great chat there before you know, as we were preparing about, you know, how you got to that work. And so that's really interesting as well. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about that. Um, And I'm sure our listener is going to learn a lot as well. (laughs) With the digital divide or digital equity, uh, how would you describe that to our listener? Because some of our listeners, you know, may already be working in this field and have an interest, but not everyone will. Someone might be just driving along in their car listening now. So, yeah, if you were to just describe what digital equity means to someone, what would you say? Yeah, I guess maybe I would I would talk about it from my own context, but I guess like overall, I think there's a big thing is access to digital tools. Um, uh, and But for me, in my context, it's kind of like, it's not just access to tools, it's access to, to knowing how to engage with them in, in a creative way. Because mm. um, that's a really empowering thing because um, absorbing content is great and fun and we all do it, but um, but it's more empowering to be creating content and things. 
So not just the knowing or the access or the learning, but the the doing, the application of it in a creative, yeah, creative way. Yeah, and I think maybe the maybe digital equity in that sense is also kind of it's not just um, uh, it's pe- people seeing themselves as as creators within that and and knowing that if they they, they learn these things or the things that they already potentially know how to do, there's actually a market for and they could it could be their careers. Um, um, but a lot of people maybe just don't realise that because. Uh, they don't. They haven't had the good opportunities that maybe I have or other people have had. Mm-hmm. It's a generational thing, I suppose, as well. I mean, we joke now that a lot of kids want to be influencers or <laughs> content creators or YouTube stars. But you know, even even you know, I'm not that ancient, but you, you know, that wouldn't have even been a, a conversation 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So so actually, you know, for even someone who's a parent of a young child myself, it's actually my thinking could be narrowing the possibilities or opportunities for them yeah. in a way. So it's it's educating kids and it's actually educating everyone of the potential and opportunities that are there from a career perspective, but also just an enjoyment perspective. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's actually a really good point because I think we always talk about like, ah, oh, um, it's important to learn things because it empowers your career and stuff. But like um, there's some people who just aren't really career motivated, but it's pretty cool for them to engage with something as a hobby like mm. that that's that's the, the fulfilling part i mean some people are lucky like i feel lucky because i can my hobby it can be my day job as well um but uh but it would be worse if i didn't have that and i also didn't have a engaging hobby <laughs> mm, yeah yeah exactly it doesn't always have to be in the career side of things it's just what brings you joy yeah and if that's creating something um, and that's a well-being thing, right? 100%, you know, that's just yeah. living your life fully and having opportunities that engage you, whether that's work or hobby. Awesome. Um, digital divide, digital inequity. You know, it is a pretty broad topic. I suppose you've you've uh, talked to that there about that specific area you're passionate about or focused on personally or professionally. So it is that creative side of things. Do you know, actually, it reminds me of you were talking when we were preparing before you were talking about um, how how when someone sees something you've created um, and you see their reaction is amazement and appreciation, it lifts you. Mm. So feeling 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 appreciated and valued for something you've produced. And that's something that you've seen in your work. Um, in your work around, um, you know, providing those digital creative opportunities to young people is that actually they see their value through the work that they've done and through through other people's reaction to that. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think I, I mentioned the, the macaroni um, picture frame oh, yeah. thing and, and how uh, when when the only person that can love that is the parent, right? But um, if you, when you're using digital tools, you can create things that, the whole um, world can value. People can see it, and they, people can be amazed. Um, so, but but you need those tools to kind of empower you, and mm. and it's the same with analog tools as well, I guess. Um, but but digital tools can take it that next step level, and you can have and you can have a ten year old that's producing work that's um, professional. Mm-hmm. So to to open up that area of creativity in people, they need access to these tools. Yeah, they and there's ex- an opportunity there to that, that potentially that some people are missing because they don't have the access to it. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's not necessarily just access to physical tools because I think 
there's I mean especially in schools we've we've got a lot of really good access but the downside is um we we put barriers in front of what you can do with those tools it's kind of like we 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 often just look at the surface level what they can do but but you can do I mean the possibilities are limitless of what you can do with them um so we should be engaging in education where we should totally be engaging people to to do new and weird things with their digital tools all the time mm. Mm. Yeah, and that gets the the real value out of the tool, for me. (laughs) So, Clark, tell me a bit about how you got to the work you're doing now. What's been your pathway? Um, Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, So, at university, I I basically trained to be a a teacher, an art teacher, actually. Um, And that's kind of what I thought I wanted to do. And and it is what I want to do in a lot of ways. Um, And then I, I... spent a few years teaching in the Cook Islands, which was a really cool experience because I think I got my first real taste of culture and how empowering that is. Um, and that kind of changed my perspective in a lot of ways. And then when I moved home, um, ended up coming to down to Ototahi here and, and working at Hayata. Um, and that was like transforma- transformational for me because um, we were really engaged in, in the talk around education and and what really what is really important when we're when we're working with young people and and what they really need for the future um so we're there's a lot of professional discussions a lot of the time and kind of like always getting challenged and and what we what we know about education and teaching and, and the rules and and why why those rules are there um so i did a lot of project based learning and and worked with kids for long periods of time as opposed to short short blocks and, and really delved into bigger projects. Um, so in terms of digital, I like I, I trained as an art teacher for sure. I had a bit of art digital background with creating. But we set up a bit of a makerspace there and, and kind of bought a whole bunch of really cool high-end digital-based gear. And um, I kind of spent a bit of money that wasn't mine and felt the felt the need to make sure that we justified it so I just mm. learned a whole bunch of new stuff and and really enjoyed the what that opened up in yeah. terms of like the skills that I already had brought to it and then kind of we just worked with these things a little bit differently because I wasn't I wasn't a trained engineer or anything like that yeah so tell me so for you know for my benefit but and, and the benefit of our listener what kind of tools did you buy, you know, because a makerspace, you know, some people may never have even come across that before. Tell me a bit about what a makerspace is and what kind of tools did you go spend that money on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like they're actually quite common in schools now, but, but things like laser cutters and vinyl cutters and, and uh, 3D printers and, um, and then some more traditional tools as well. But what we did that was quite unique and that I absolutely love is like we didn't get a classroom set. There wasn't a sewing room where we got 30 sewing machines we just bought a sewing machine um and when it came to because it's project based you didn't have 30 kids making pillowcases you had um one kid making a parachute maybe <laughs> and so the only, there was only one person that needed the sewing machine at all time so we got a little bit of everything which gave us a really wide um wide set of assets mm. and and you're you're kind of only held up by your imagination at that point um mm. so so when i say we've got like a laser cutter um, like lots of schools have laser cutters, but it was kind of like how we were using it that was cool. We weren't just, there wasn't 30 kids making the, uh, the same board game to learn how to use it. It was actually just like, well, if if it works with the context of your project, we'll use it as, as the right tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, you, you just 
saw all sorts of crazy things come out of it and, and small businesses that came out of it. And, yeah, yeah. And I'd love to things. hear a bit more about a, a couple of examples of how, so how, do, how did it work? So, you know, quite a kid would come in and you'd start to talk about with some, some would come in with an idea and others would come kind of not sure. Or? Yeah, I mean, we, we tried a few different things over the years, but sometimes it would be kind of like we would set a co-papa, so we'd co-teach and, and, and kind of be like, oh, I remember one time we looked at, we decided we're going to look at propaganda. Oh, so there was a big overarching co-papa. And then within that, you can um, kind of come up with your own idea. And me and another teacher once worked with propaganda. And um, so we'd look at what propaganda is. And then um, kids, when, when they were ready, they would fall off the, the, the preloading of information and, and delve into the project. So um, some people were making, like, then they could make videos. They could make their own propaganda. Or someone could be like, I just like writing essays. I'm going to write an essay about propaganda kind of thing. This is in the secondary, um, secondary school setting. Um, and and then like so a group of kids were like we're going to change the public's perception of our school and, and the, the east of Christchurch and they, they did that by doing like a, some slightly marketing campaigns and some uniform change and things like that um, so they were looking at a really big picture but they were doing it within stuff that they like to do um, mm. so you can have these really complex concepts um, but, but dealt with differently mm. Mm, Wow that was yeah, that sounds so interesting, like, you know, and so student-led. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, student-led, and, and you've used the word empowering a couple of times already. Um, what, you know, what, yeah, what were the things that, that you that you or other teachers did to empower that? What do you think, what were the things that you put in place or what was, what were your approaches to, to enable that empowerment, if, this, if that makes sense? Yeah, I think, um, like, I mean, there's, there's certain battles about it, but I think one of the things that I that I did is I, I, I was just at the point in my career in life that I could put a lot of energy, like time and energy into it. So I was, like, kind of living and breathing this in a lot of ways. But um, I was just learning new things and sharing what I learned with the young people and mm-hmm. kind of uh, just doing things that they just hadn't even imagined that they could do. And so then they, they build up these skills, often with, with digital tools, um, and, and make things that people that wow people, and then um, and then I found fa- I found that probably the most empowering thing um, that they they just get hooked into it instead mm. of um, instead of front loading young people with kind of like okay this is this is your digital tool this is how we write code for it and then like making them make a light bulb blink or something like that it's just there's a certain amount of like soul destroying aspect about that but it's kind of like if a young person wants to make a robot they, they can build their robot and, and then encode it that way and it's like a way more monumental task but um but there's no soul destroying part of that it's kind mm. of like um you just got to work out what you need to do <laughs> mm, yeah so i like i keep getting this vision of like a, um a, a river and it flows the way it needs to flows but flow so it flows the way it needs to flow but there are banks you know so and the banks you know the banks are certain boundaries and certain guidance from you or other teachers but they're not that narrow you yeah know? so there's still guidance yeah but but the river flows you know the direction the river wants to flow yeah um, within reason yeah and i think that <laughs> that's a good analogy actually i think the the cool thing about that is like it all ends up at the sea mm. um and i think that the when we look at education and when parents are like worried about their kids education um like whatever it looks like and whatever experience they have like it all ends up at the sea and it's kind of like um mm. it, it doesn't it doesn't matter what they were bad at <laughs> like you kind of just you fit and find your place in the world 
Um, so that, uh, for me, there's no, like, uh, you always talk to parents and kind of like, what do you want for your kids? And like, hopefully most of them say, I just want them to be happy. Mm. And then, like, in the very next sentence, they're just like, but are they succeeding in maths? <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of like, well, who, who cares? So are we using the right measures, I think, is the yeah, question. Are we using the right measures of success? And that's a big loaded question, right? But... You know, it's, it's an OK question to ask, too. Yeah. And like, you know, it's really interesting to hear you talk about the impacts of this kind of learning um, on the students. So, I mean, you you know, you talked about another student when we were chatting before about, you know, creating their own business. I'd love to hear a bit more about that. And and what do you think the impact of that? What did that student learn and what was the what was from your, yeah, what did you observe that they learned and what did you observe the impact of that experience was for them? Mm. Because mm. I think it's a great example of how access to these digital tools and giving them the freedom to and helping build their capability to use it in a creative way. Mm. Um, yeah. What was the impact and, and what was what do you think that experience was like for that student? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you, you can look at the business Mahina Designs. Um, she makes uh, like jewelry, custom um, cultural jewelry. Um, she's she's Maori Tongan, and she she uses like a laser cutter and digital tools to 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 create it. Um, but but I think like when when I first worked with her, I remember her, she still tells me um, she's just like I I'm not an artist like I and she kind of like headbutts with that. But I think we all headbutt with our own creativity. Um, but I think what what the the style of learning really assisted because. Um, she didn't have to go to an art class because she might not have ever gone to an art class to, to get there, but she kind of, she fell there through, I can't even remember how, but, you know, came and, and did something. And then um, I wasn't worried about assessment or anything like that for her at the time. And I just made sure she got a really good result out of it. It didn't matter if I did a whole lot of the work for or with her um, because when, when she walked away with something cool and then a thousand people told her how cool it was, she was back in the door and, and that's, that's kind of like empowered a lifelong learning um, thing for, for anyone that kind of gets mm. that experience, I think. Mm. That repeat customer mentality, she came back for more, right? Yeah, yeah. And that because was because of her experience and that encouraged her to learn more and to keep learning. So I'm really hearing that sense of how this kind of work can empower learners, but empower, can influence how they see themselves as learners. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So it's not about getting the answer. It's about how I see myself as a learner. Yeah, totally. And they might not even like fully understand that, but they, I guess it's my job to understand that yeah. part of it, right? And it's kind of like, it's funny because it's, um, I mean, it's not the normal way of doing things. It's not the way that assessment sets but them normal, up. and we'll put that in inverted commas for our listener, <laughs> you know, because the expectations of... Yeah, yeah. but it's funny because um, when I, like, you go through teachers' college and stuff and you kind of like, you find best practice stuff and you're kind of like... Um, you, you you get good at it and you get good understanding and you, as a teacher you're kind of like stoked because you're you're thinking oh I get this and I I'm I'm doing best practice stuff but then I think it gets to a point well it got to a point for me where I'm just like I don't know if this is best practice stuff and mm-hmm. and it's really hard to challenge um, literature or like study or and stuff like that but like you you can see it and you can feel it and and when you know it becomes blatantly obvious when you're in front of mm-hmm. thirty kids sixty kids sometimes in modern learning environments. And they're like super disengaged because you're following best practice. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, and then, if, and when you've had an experience um, where you where you're doing things that probably aren't how mm. they described, and you're actually getting really engaged 
people. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so you got a sense of what feels right versus what the research or what that you had learned, you know, because what yeah. you were seeing was presenting you with slightly different evidence, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's um, like I think the environment that I was in empowered me as well, as mm. opposed as not just them. And and kind of show me like it's like seeing the light a little bit and kind of like oh this is what we could be doing this is what mm-hmm. school could look like um and it looks messy and it looks it's hard to measure um but uh i don't know maybe maybe a lot of parents could see this with their own kids like it's you can tell when your kid's happy right and you can mm-hmm. tell when when and engaged and things like that um I think as a society, we still come back to like, well, how, what are their grades like at mm. some point, which is kind of a shame because I don't know if that really matters because you, you can see mm. if you know them as a person. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and it's what we're raised with then as well. Mm. Yeah, you know, so you, you so, fall back so on what you, you know. Kind of, you, you do fall back on what you know because um, it's, it's I think as a, as a parent myself, you know, I have a seven-year-old daughter and so I'm not at that stage where I'm getting too hung up on grades or anything. But, you know, I can't say that I would be I would be lying if I said I don't. Uh, yes, I can see her happy, but I, I can't. I would be lying if I if she was struggling academically that I wouldn't be a small bit worried about her mm, um, mm. because what's been drilled into me and how I've been conditioned. Yeah, yeah. And I suspect I'll probably end up the same, even with my experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's what we're, yeah. we're worried to. So we have to be really intentional um, and conscious of, of those beliefs, I guess, and and, and and just challenge them and nudge them a little bit and yeah. find balance, I guess. But yeah, 100%. Balance is important. I think that um, the funny thing is I... And I my, many people might agree with this, but like my... I mean, I, I think I was lucky because I found school quite easy and I was just like, I'll just do what I need to do to pass and then I can do what it, whatever else I want. Um, but like all the stuff I'm good at now none of it came from my education well that's that's unfair because I learned to read at some point right so mm-hmm. it's it's not totally fair to say that but all the stuff that engages me in my career and stuff is just stuff that I kind of like some things was sometimes it was me making videos when I was like a kid after school about stupid stuff with a stupid little camcorder or something like that and just like build up these lots of skill sets outside mm-hmm. of school mm-hmm. um and and then, like, at some point in my life, I was getting paid to do video work and photography work and stuff. And that's, it hasn't come from, like, any education necessarily. Mm. Um, but more the ability... To, of doing. The ability of you, and then later on, not how you perceived yourself as a learner mm. and then, therefore, not being afraid to try new things in your career, mm. maybe, as well. Because if, if we're not... If we're teaching our kids... If our, if our kids have a positive perception of themselves as a learner and their ability to learn mm. and that sometimes it can't be measured, then maybe they're more likely to try those things yeah. and to try new things um, rather than believing that there is only one fixed way. So we're talking about growth mindset here, yeah. really, aren't we? Yeah, I you guess know, so. That on some level that it's how I see myself as a learner and that I believe I can learn and that actually I can try new things and it doesn't have to be linear. Yeah. Um, and balancing that with, there are some really helpful things to know and learn in life, regardless of which path that I take. Yeah. And I think like um, there's something massive to say about young people that kind of, that show a real interest in something. And then 
as soon as education like formally comes through the door, uh, sorry, assessment comes formally through the door, how like I've seen them disengage with that thing and, and taking, like still like the river, like taking the easiest route down towards the ocean because it's kind of like, oh, this, if I, if I w- engage in the stuff I was doing before, like that, the, yeah, I was, yeah, it's a funny, it's a, it's a bit of a conversation outside of this is about education more, but like, yeah. Yeah, that, that potentially, I mean, yeah, we best not go off down yeah. that river yeah. because we could be <laughs> yeah. here all day. Yeah. I don't want to but, go ranting about that. But, but no, I get I get what you're saying. I think, you know, there's some valid points there around the introduction of assessment and maybe what that does to creativity. Yeah, totally. Um, totally. And, and that's, that's the line we're talking about here is about the creativity that can be harnessed in people if they have access to digital tools that ordinarily they don't and maybe slightly different teaching practices to hold the space for that to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it sounds like that was a really interesting, awesome and rewarding <laughs> experience in, in Hayata. Um, so really keen then to hear how you moved on because now you're in 4C Centre with YMCA. So love to hear a bit more. What is the 4C Centre? Again, a lot of our listeners may have never even heard of that before. Tell us a bit about it. Yes, yeah. So the 4C Centre um, is is based in the city. It's just across the road from the Botanical Gardens, so Hagley Park, um, under Hotel Give. And it's under a hotel because the hotel is open 24-7. That means it can be as well. So it's a makerspace. Um, it's got a whole bunch of gear, um, whether you're into recording or podcast making like this, or you're into video making or... You want to go and use a CNC router or laser cutter or 3D printers, a little bit of everything. Um, you can come and use it for pretty much nothing. It's, it is established for under 25-year-olds. Mm. Um, so they, if you are outside of that um, age group, then you just might need to come and see me and, and work out how it can work <laughs> for you. Um, but it can work for anyone. So, um, But it's, it's practically free for anyone under mm. 25 uh, what's the youngest age? age uh, I mean, there? it says fourteen somewhere on the website. But um, if you're keen, then that, there's no there's no bottom age. But it's more like I think if you, it might become a bit of a, a wild wild space if if we too filled it with too young. Like, yeah. yeah, of course. So, Clark, what does uh, what do the four C's um, in the four C Centre stand for? Uh, the four C's are curiosity, communication, critical thinking, and creativity. Mm. Um, and I think they were decided by uh, like a, a group of young people with some adults and um, and 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 people in the industry actually. Like, what what are they looking for um, from from young people um, that come into the workplace to start their careers? Um, and they're not the kind of things that we normally assess. So that's kind of quite cool. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, I'm keen to hear, you know, a bit. So what, I suppose, what does day to day, what does your job look like? Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's very different um, all the time, but um, there, there's often people just dropping in. So there'll be generally every day, there'll be uh, between one and 10 people just dropping in un- unorganized um, to use the, use the space. Uh, and then I will have people planned in to, to learn, learn from me, um, do some workshop stuff. Um, have some be running some education events and things like that um, but the the cool thing is the job description is to get people on there doing cool things and it doesn't really matter what I do so <laughs> so day-to-day is very different um, sometimes it's real surprising sometimes it'd be quiet but um, the quiet days kind of just encourage me to get some things happening and and do some of that preloading work yeah how so how do you get people in the door what kind of events do you run or you know what's yeah, how do you make that happen? Yeah, um, like lots of different ways, I guess. Sometimes we go out to schools 
or I go out to schools. Um, and then sometimes we will host little education things, drop-in workshops, things like that. Um, some people find it their own ways. Um, we hold big competitions and advertise them, and some people just wonder what that is. Um, yeah, it's a whole lot. Uh, we don't really spend anything on, on marketing um, because it's nicer for the money to go into cool tech for young people, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. Tell me a bit about, um, so you run a big competition, you were saying big competitions. Tell me a bit about that. What's that? Yeah, so like our biggest one, I think, is um, we, it's called Grapple, and we give a, get a real-world um, challenge or situation, and then we put it away. We don't tell people that um, what it is, but we get applicants from all over the country, and we if they submit a portfolio of their skills and interests and we choose 40 of them and we fly them to Christchurch and put them up in our hotel and let them have a, there's two cohorts, so they have a week each um, to, to hit, tackle the challenge and do the coolest thing. There's a bit of prize money, they team up, they meet people from around the country with similar interests and um, yeah, it's a pretty epic event, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, you're smiling. You know, it's really cool to hear you. You know, the energy in you as you talk about that. What's so good about it? What's the impact of it? Do you think? Uh, I think it's just like a. I think the thing is when you get put under pressure and you're asked to do something with some context, you can just do some really awesome things. And um, so I think it's an excuse for young people to kind of challenge themselves. Um, so last year we looked at, um, we gave them a scenario, which is pretty relevant now, but uh, of uh, this city flooding due to climate change, flooding, you know, once or twice a year quite substantially. And, and they just had to look at that. And, and the, the important bit is that we didn't say, okay, build a device that stops the flooding. It's actually just like um, improve our lives, improve one person's life or everyone's life or... Um, and so they they had they could do whatever they wanted essentially to do that they could make they could have made uh, some shoes for grandma to wear um, in that environment or they could have built a orbiting space station that mm. gets us out of there kind of thing um, and or they could make renders of it and and um, or or artworks about it and stuff using digital tools so it wasn't there's no restriction on your skill set right okay so it's uh, presenting a problem or presenting a yeah, sending a problem or an issue or something, and then whatever they they have to create something in response. So yeah. it's not necessarily a solution. Yeah, wow, that sounds amazing, yeah. doesn't it? So it's such a broad scope, and uh, uh, just to see where that creative creativity goes. Yeah, and and that kind of the purpose of this one is getting like the best people from around the country and putting them together. Mm. Um, and so we saw awesome, like they had probably have four days working time, and we saw people building drones from scratch um, and the like well actually the first week I think the drone team won but they, they they designed and built the drone and then also had a camera on it and it had AI in it so it, it would fly over um, houses that were in, in floodplained areas and it would identify how many people were there and then it could drop them a, a like a small uh, supply thing but also it just built a database of where that house was and how many people were there, just in case we needed, they needed to send emergency teams out there. Um, it would just go and map out, and there's has a database. It was really awesome. It was pretty impressive. Wow, <laughs> that is incredible. And, you know, it's funny because we were just, I was having a conversation the other day with another guest on the podcast, uh, Josh Huff, and he mentioned you, you, you know each other, and he, he's very much passionate about 
young people, Rangatahi, helping use digital tech to solve problems as well. And he mentioned some examples as well. I was just blown away by and that, you know, we have to trust that our young people, you know, actually have all of these amazing ideas. It's about holding the space for and creating the conditions um, and giving them what they need and then just getting out of the way. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I like I spent my it's, it was like it's kind of half it's such a cool event, but it's kind of half boring for me because I spent most of my time like running around the city getting them parts and stuff and I like <laughs> I hate shopping so I was like this is kind of like this is awesome but it sucks too <laughs> so probably you know the, the you, you felt the least purposeful and yeah. meaningful about your work on that week because uh, because you were just the uh, errand boy a little bit uh, <laughs> and it's so far from what I normally do <laughs> like I, I would like I like to get my hands in there and, and do the stuff with them and um so that's it's funny because it's 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 good. It's very successful in what it does. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't require too much from yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the thing about just the enabling, right? And the empowering sometimes and getting out of the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's And the it, funny thing about it is like I well, coming up with the challenge is a bit tricky because I um, like given context is really great. But part of me also wants to just be like, come and make something awesome. I don't I don't care what it is. Just make something really cool. Mm-hmm. Um because that's also really engaging because, um, I don't know, kids are, and, and I am somewhat as well, addicted to people on YouTube making, like, outrageously cool things. But they don't necessarily serve a purpose. But then you, you learn so many things and you might discover something new and next thing you know it's on, like, a rover and on Mars kind of thing. And yeah. I love that empowering that way as well. Yeah, I like, uh, yeah, I was just thinking about what you said there about, like, you know, it isn't always about giving a challenge. Yes, and sometimes they'll, people respond or their creativity kind of emerges in response to something. Yeah. You know, if you think about, you know, so there's a force and then an opposing force. So if there's a challenge, then, then you know, the creativity can emerge to 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 meet that challenge. Mm. You know, um, I suppose the other way of harnessing that might be just talking to people about what they're interested in, you yeah. know, and then what they're interested in maybe helps emerge for them what they might, how their creativity might um, respond to that. Yeah. But do, do you get what I'm saying? That sometimes it's like if you say to me, oh, if you could make anything, what would you make? I'm just like, la, 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 la. <laughs> you know, there's just like nothing happens in my head. Whereas yeah. some prompting questions or something to bounce off um, can can bring out that creativity. Does, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, 100%. And that's kind of, we, I mean, we, we went that way for a few reasons because we, I mean, it was nice to give them a real world context um, and, and kind of make, th- make them think like engineers and in, in, out in the real world. Um, but also for, for that same reason, like it's to give them something to just to start from. Um, but, but you could do it differently. You might be able to be like, make me the most useless invention ever. Um, it's still a challenge. It though, is still you a know. challenge, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think maybe that would potentially do, they might come up with cooler things. But um, yeah, I'm an adult now, so I have to give them something a little bit more boring than yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. None of this really fun stuff. No. But I, yeah, I know what you mean that like, yeah, people can come up with amazing things um, with 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 challenges or with um, in, in that kind of context. I was interested, we were talking before about, um, you know, how this, you know, when, when we put this digital equity lens over something like this, that sometimes, sometimes some people, even if the opportunity exists for them to apply for something, they still don't apply for it because they don't see that it's for someone like them. So that yep. equity isn't always simply about 
you know, anyone can apply. Yeah, no, anyone can apply, but some communities will feel like actually they are not welcome in that space. Or yeah. and it could be, you know, for example, girls in tech, right? I mean, there might be a small small number of girls apply because traditionally, you know, that it has been more of a male dominated area. So you know, we have a challenge there, whether it's about a, some sort of minority group or a group that has not normally been represented represented in that area of um, digital mm-hmm. um, digital tech or digital equity, uh, digital in the digital world, for example, that they're not going to just, oh, OK, I can, so I will. Yeah. But if I don't see myself in it, how, yeah, is that something that you think is a thing? Yeah, oh, 100%. And it, and it, like it hits home pretty hard when I host this event in particular because it does ask for um, people that have have practiced, they've, they've got experience already mm. because it's, in a week you can't teach much, um, especially when you've got kids building drones that can do AI recognition and stuff like that, right? There's no time for me to teach it even if I could. Mm. <laughs> um, so like we're getting people who have already been uh, we, we, so we're not getting people who have already seen themselves as excluded from this space, um, and some of them are just not interested. Sure, but I think there's a, there's a huge portion of the population that that would be interested if if they did see themselves mm-hmm. into it, if, you know, from a young age. Yeah. Um, so I guess my my day job outside of this big event um, is to to kind of help people discover that interest mm-hmm. or discover that skill set mm-hmm. that wouldn't always normally find that. Mm-hmm. So, Clark, you know, you've ch- shared your experience there at Hayata and your experience at 4C Centre. You know, I'm keen to think about now or to talk about what's next. You know, what from the learnings and the observations you've had through those experiences in your career um, and and the passion you have for helping more people use these digital tools to harness their creativity, right? Not just be able to use them, but to actually you know, yeah, just really get so creative with them. What do you see is the future? What would what what do you want to do? <laughs> yeah, I um I think like the the, the higher advantage was that in schools in general, the advantage is they're in the community and you're like you've got access to the, all the diversity that the community has, um and and it's at your fingertips and people have to be there and so you make it as fun as possible, make it as engaging as possible, um. And, and that, that's possibly the disadvantage of the, the 4C position, just for me personally, is um, I kind of have to work to get people through the door because, um, you know, if, you're right, if they don't see themselves in it, they just don't come, right? Um, so ideally, for me, it would be really cool to, to have both of those things mushed together. Um, so I've got a little bit of a plan under, under, under the way, but I can't really say too much about it at this stage. But, I mean, ultimately I'd love to do work in schools, but outside of the... Because the downside of schools is there's uh, so many... There's so much politics and, and rules and, and, and maybe, yeah, things that kind of get in the way of learning, funnily enough. And creativity. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Um, so I kind of want to get back into schools um, with a bit of a project um, that I've got in my, mostly in my brain at the moment, but it's, it's getting out there into the world. Um, but I'd love to do like residency in the schools, do really, really big long-term projects that challenge me so I can keep learning. Um, but they, they that build something that sustains within that school for, mm. for the years to come. So mm. um, working with kids, but also uh, PLD for teachers too. Um, mm. And... and and 
for the most part, actually, not, don't go in there and work with the, the, the tech teachers that are already in there. Work with teachers that have got some enthusiasm uh, and put the tech within their context. Mm, um, yeah. So, yeah, I've got a plan for that, but it's um, it's it's brewing. Watch this space, people. <laughs> Watch this space. And if you're bit. listening and that's something you think you might be interested in helping Clark with, <laughs> let yeah, us know. Totally. But, yeah, that sounds amazing. I, You know, that, that tech... You know, being in the community, so it sounds like a key thing is being in the community yeah. so that, you know, you're not having to go search these people and they're not having to come find you, which if they're having to do that, then they're less likely to come to you, right? Totally. So if, and that's not to say, like, the, <laughs> i gotta got to um, give some respect to my job at the moment. Like, it is, a, it is a really amazing resource. The kids that come from all over the country, all of them are just like, I just wish we had this in our city. Mm. Um, it's so, super, super unique and super great. Um, but, like, I think... Pref- Professionally, for me, I'd love to be able to just kind of get a get a bigger reach. Um, mm. uh, it's not to say, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It's not to say the force isn't accessible. It is, but to, for a place for people to feel welcome somewhere, they still got, have to come to the door. Yeah, yeah, and, totally. And you can only do so much. You're you're restricted in what you can do in that space at the moment around getting people to the door because there's only one of you, right? And yeah. you can only spread yourself so, t- so thin. So completely understand that, that actually being in the community, which was your experience with Hayata, is that the kids were there every day anyway. Yeah. And they had to, you know, they had to participate in something and often, you know, you were there. So, you know, that was easier, the less barriers for people to participate, right? Totally. And, and loved what you said there as well about that vision of, that it isn't just about working with the digital tech teachers. It's about working with any teacher who has a passion for this and helping them embed tech as a part of how they teach yep. everything else. Totally. Yeah. And because for our kids, as a conversation with NASA went, is that for our kids, that the online world and the tech world for us maybe are two separate things. But for them, they're not. Yeah. For the, you know, their reality is quite different to what ours is um, or what we grew up with and we still maybe see well not we I see that say that very broadly I suppose but <laughs> you know a lot of parents see that quite still quite separate yeah um, whereas our kids often don't because it's just all the one for them there's just as much tech as real world yeah, um, yeah. in their lives so for teachers to be able to teach that way and embed that more in their teaching and feel more confident in that would only benefit our kids as well right yeah yeah mm. absolutely Mm. Uh, exciting watch this space so tell me you know for our listener um, you know just because there's a lot of individuals out there could be listening to this and going well I can't do anything about this what's this got to do with me it's really interesting but what would you say to people that they could do um, if they think as they think about digital equity or access or um, how they themselves or how they might support their kids um, to see to, to see themselves more as confident learners in this space or mm. to have the confidence to just try these things what would you say to them yeah I think um, something that kind of comes to mind a little bit is and it's, it's really hard for me to say but like getting out of the way I think can be quite valuable I think um, kids will naturally kind of use tech to do creative things and and we might not see them as adults um, or as people that are just not engaged in the particular interest of theirs and we might not see it as like practical but someone who's like um, making TikTok videos dancing like it looks kind of absurd to me, but I actually think there's so much value in like the fact that they'll be like, nah, okay, I'm gonna do that again. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna do that again, and and like uh, improving their skill um, mm. and getting good at something. I don't think I don't it doesn't matter what it what it is that they want to get good at. If they're getting good at it, they like they 
generating some really important skills in themselves. Um, and so that could be like, I mean, I, I kind of hate games, funnily enough. <laughs> I've got no interest in games as, at all, but like maybe kids that are gaming um, and getting good at something, there's, maybe there's actually real value in that. And and what I can say is that 100% there's real value in is if they're making characters or worlds and stuff within that game and being creative, I think there's huge value in that. Um, um, and getting good at things doesn't matter what it is because <laughs> that's transferable. Yeah, it's the learning aspect, right? And I think it's really interesting that you're bringing your education hat, your teacher hat there as well. It's not just about, yeah, go off and use the tech, but you're thinking about, again, people's perception of themselves as learners, right? Yeah, you know, totally. How, how they think about themselves as a learner in that context and, and being willing to repeat something over and over and over to get better at it. They take, we don't just have that in one area. We bring that way of thinking about ourselves into other aspects of our lives. Yeah, yeah. I remember um, talking to a, like Minecraft's not really my kind of thing, but I remember like often like talking to kids about their projects in other kind of areas of the school and stuff. And there was this one kid who was like showing me through their Minecraft city that they'd built, mm. and I was kind of like coming into it a bit glazed over because I'm you know a tired teacher who's like oh whatever I don't really care. <laughs> no, no, I, I do care. Um, we we'll cut but, that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll leave that in. <laughs> um, but but like she's kind of explaining to me, here's the hospital, um, and here's this, 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 and I like, and but explaining to me like the hospital's positioned here because of this reason and access to these people here, and like just really running me through the city with like like car parking for these services and things like that, and it's actually like really. It's just only I don't know, I can't remember, maybe probably like a eleven or twelve year old, mm. um, having some really big. Um, ideas about how to design a city that that um, has value and, and has thought through that design process. And it's funny because my wife's a, a planner, a town planner, um, and does that as a profession, right? And has to have those exact same conversations with herself and colleagues and stuff. Um, just because she, the, the, the young student was doing it in a game that was made out of blocks. Mm. Um, I don't think that matters. I think the, the bigger context of that it's really so thinking good thinking processes right yeah so it really engaged thinking me process in, and understanding the concepts yeah that are transferable yeah what talking about. and so like i can have a conversation with her like my eyes unglaze and i have a really cool conversation about like oh what if you did this or like mm, what if this happens or things like that and you can actually have a really cool conversation through mm. something that looks like a game and you might be like yelling at your kids like get off it's dinner time get off that <laughs> and you're like stopping something quite brilliant potentially yeah yeah oh you you raise some really interesting questions and things to consider my seven-year-old she wants to have a youtube channel and <laughs> i know and i was thinking oh no no it's not happening but you know as you say that there are certain ways for me to allow her to edit videos and and make videos at home herself and just have a bit of fun with those because the thing is that that's teaching her yeah you know it's it's really interesting and to see the stuff she wants to make videos about then also gives me a window into her world yeah yeah you know because it's like oh you know i want to make one about the dolls okay but i also want to make one around reading this book to somebody and I'm like, huh, it's really interesting to hear the questions she's asking um, and the things she's wanting to make those videos about because it tells me more about what she's interested in. Yeah, totally. It's not actually just about the tech. Yeah, and and um, and she'll she'll learn so much along the way of kind of just like making that stuff. You yeah. kind of like got to, you got to allow it, but you also got to keep them safe online, right? Yeah. And yeah, I can, I'd, I'd hate to think 
if I uploaded stuff online when I was young, how cringe. I mean, I did, right? Like, mm. and it's just not quite an intense world now. Yeah, but how cringe it would be to look back Understanding at. the digital footprint side of things, and we talk about that in my conversation with Nisa as well, you know, that do our kids understand the digital footprint mm. side of things? Because that wasn't really a thing when I was a teenager, thanks a bit of goodness. Um, but it is now. And actually, as, as parents, we who gets to choose um, about our kids' digital footprint, you know, if we're posting photos of them, for example. So yeah. that's a whole other conversation <laughs> that Nisa has said she runs into a lot of challenge about. But, you know, good points to consider that we won't really dig too much more into, but <laughs> yeah. lo- a lot to think about there totally. around um, safety as well. And that's why this uh, conversation about digital equity has unearthed not just it's not just about giving people access to devices or to the to basic tools it's how can they do that safely mm-hmm. but also then how can be they be empowered to use that in a way that can really enhance their lives mm. whether that's their career um or a hobby um or access to healthcare services or access to um different government services. So we're talking, there's a whole layer of things that come around digital equity. Yeah, totally. And um, that is well beyond just access to a device or internet. There's there's a whole heap of things that enable us to participate in society at, at um, whether that's at the basic level or can I really thrive because I'm using it to, yeah. uh, to in a way that enhances my career and, and, and is fun as well. Because um, yeah. I guess there's like a... Um, there's a real danger in it as well, right? Like misinformation and things like that. And empowering people to just access stuff that's probably actually not great if they're not ready for it. Um, and I think it's, it's hard because you might bore your children to death or your students to death by telling them like, oh, this is this is unsafe because this and this and this and stuff. And they're just like, they disengage with you because they're like, oh, here we go, another lecture. Um, so my approach is for actually like and engage them with those conversations by exciting them. So like, Maybe not having them up front, but like um, when those conversations are ready to be having, it would make sense because they're, they're living in that context. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we, we don't let our kids off just to run across the road. You know, we teach them about road safety as we're teaching them just true life. Yeah. The same with digital safety, right? It's just when it's appropriate rather yeah. than just, oh, now, now we're going to have a lesson about <laughs> don't do this, don't do that, don't. It's just as it's happening, oh, by the way, you know, we don't talk to strangers in the street. So actually, if Cara's playing, my daughter's playing Roblox now, I would just say no chatting. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not allowed to have a good, that's the boundary. And that's because of what Nisa said to me, actually. So I thought that was great. It was like, just be really clear about what you are and what you're not allowed to do. Yeah. Um. Again, another conversation, <laughs> but um, so just wrapping up, I mean, we've had, oh my God, we've had such a fantastic, you know, uh, journey through hearing about your work and what you're passionate about, how you got to that and some of the learnings that have come out of that for you. And then little hint of maybe what you want to see in the future, but really about making these tools um, and this way of thinking and these opportunities more accessible in the community mm. is what I'm really hearing from you and the yep. impact that that could have. Um, so just to wrap things up, you know, from you to make sure that captured, I've captured that, you know, if you were sitting across from our listener right now, just like we are having a chat and what's the most important thing you would like them to leave this code out with? Ooh. <laughs> um, I, I, I'd hope that people can maybe use digital tools to just to be creative, I think. And I, and I don't say creative in the sense of like artsy necessarily, like for me, engineering and um, and building and, and, and every little element 
of, of life can be creative. Um, you know, everything can be creative. Um, so it doesn't matter what it is that you're doing. It's not we're not painting pictures here. It's just mm. like using them to kind of do something that you can be proud of. I think that's probably a, um, yeah. a, a good way to look at it. <laughs> and digital tools, like I, we we make a lot of physical things with digital tools. So it's don't don't think like we just. It's just something that nerds do on computers necessarily. It's like actually just they, they kind of everything has a digital element to it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's such a good point. I was just thinking about like the future of like the building industry and, you know, just so many other sectors and industries are being influenced by tech now that weren't before. Yeah. And that's only going to continue to change. And and yeah, I, I really like how you how you zoned in there on how creativity or to be creative isn't just about being arty because mm. for a long time there I didn't think of myself as someone who's being creative but actually I'm quite creative in my thinking mm-hmm. um, I'm not someone who's into art but actually I'm quite creative in my thinking and in connecting ideas and um, mm, so let's get away from thinking about creativity being being just that one art type thing it's yeah. so much more than totally that. I think like the the crux of it for me is um creativity is is kind of using the tools you have in a way maybe they, sh- they shouldn't be used a lot of the time like I think especially because I came into um tech education through art education I was kind of like I knew how to use some software that wasn't really made to do the stuff that we were doing the manufacturing things with but um but I was like, oh, I, I can, we can do it that way. So you're using these tools to like, to, to do stuff that they shouldn't normally do. I love that. Shouldn't <laughs> do it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and on that note, we'll leave it there. Clark, thank you so much for your time. And um, any of the links that you mentioned, we can share in the show notes anyway, so people cool. can know where to find 4C Centre and find you. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. It's been such a great conversation. I no, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Digital Divide. This is one of a series of conversations. Podcasts of the series will be available on the Plains FM website, Spotify and Apple. If you have any questions or feedback or you have ideas for other topics that we should explore, you can find my email address on the Digital Divide page on the Plains FM website. Please share with your networks so that we can continue to amplify marginalised voices provoke system change and help us all be more inclusive and understanding of others' experiences. Thank you, Link Roro, Plains FM and Ako Ototahi Learning City Christchurch for supporting this project.